Grace and peace to you, Bloom, and welcome to our Guided Liturgy podcast. My name is Seth Slay, and I'm the music and arts pastor here at Bloom Church in Denver, Colorado. This week, Dave is out with Taryn, and Dulcie and I will lead you through our liturgy. You'll hear a song that was written by people within our community, and you'll also hear a discussion on Luke chapter 15, which is a familiar passage to a lot of us, the story of the prodigal son. So we discussed that passage and also referenced the talk that Dave gave on this passage from the week that we recorded this episode. If you'd like to find that, you can find it by searching for Bloom Church Denver Talks wherever you get your podcasts, or you can find it linked in the show notes on this episode. So Bloom, I hope you'll take a moment now just to center yourself, to feel your feet on the ground if you're able to take deep breaths in and out, to feel the breath in your lungs, to take on the posture, whatever it looks like for you, of invitation. God shows his love for us in that, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Let us then show our love for him by confessing our sin in penitence and faith. In the wilderness, we find your grace. You love us with an everlasting love. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. There is none but you to uphold our cause. Our sin cries out and our guilt is great. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Heal us, O Lord, and we shall be healed. Restore us and we shall know your joy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sin, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Bloom, let's join now with the church worldwide in praying the prayer of the day. Gracious Father, whose blessed Son, Jesus Christ, came down from heaven to be the true bread which gives life to the world. Evermore give us this bread, that he may live in us and we in him, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Tenderly 
Hear a reading from Psalm 63. O God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. I have seen you in your sanctuary and gazed upon your power and glory. Your unfailing love is better than life itself. How I praise you. I will praise you as long as I live lifting up my hands to you in prayer. You satisfy me more than the richest feast. I will praise you with songs of joy. I lie awake thinking of you, meditating on you through the night, because you are my helper. 
I sing for joy in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your strong right hand holds me securely. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Hear a reading from the Gospel according to Luke chapter 15. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. So Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet, and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house, and he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, All these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. And in all that time you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. His father said to him, Look, dear son, you have always stayed by me, and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. The Gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
I think for me, one of the things that I had never really considered, looking at both of the son's responses to the father was this realization that even though both of them were living with the father, they didn't really know the father's heart. Like when the younger son came back and kept saying like, I'll just be a hired hand, like that will be enough. Like he had no idea like the grace and the love and the compassion that the father was like that the father had for him or was waiting for him, which was like, oh man, would that have changed the son's decision to leave? Yeah, to begin with. To begin with, if he had really known the father's heart for him or would he have left differently? Mm -hmm. Um, And then the older son being there and being so offended and hurt and missing that the father was like, this is always here for you. And this, you have access to this always. And missing that, like it just felt like there was an intimacy that both sons didn't have with the father for whatever reason. And as a result, not knowing the father's heart, then they both had like these false narratives that greatly impacted their experience. Yeah. Had me thinking like how easy it is for me to say, yeah, I, I have a relationship with the father, but then to step back and be like, how well Mm -hmm. have I spent time getting to know the father's heart? Like for me and for others, I can tell you what I know to be true, but have I experienced it at such a deep level that it impacts and influences how I see myself, Mm -hmm. how I see where I belong, how I see others. It bugs me, though. Why? They didn't know the Father's heart? Yeah, why don't they know him? Right. That's where I'm at, too. I don't know if it's like where where we should go with it but <laughs> but I, I'm like wait, is it a failure on the father's part that that his two sons see him so differently or is it a failure I mean th- this is where Dave would say it's the system you know like right that, that they were placed in in their relationship to it I mean my only answer to that is kind of where you're going which is like I don't think we can know God all the way so if that's true, then like, is what I'm viewing of God, all of God? No, I know it's Mm -hmm. not, but like, what am I missing out on Mm -hmm. that these guys both missed out on? Cause I totally agree that the, the younger son would have left differently Mm -hmm. and maybe not at all, but maybe they were both stuck in a narrative that they had created and -hmm. weren't able to see beyond that. Because technically when the younger son comes home, they both witness the father's heart maybe Mm -hmm. for the first time Mm -hmm. and the older son still has a poor reaction to it. Mm -hmm. So it's like, even when the father does display his heart, it's not even seen. It's not really seen then either. But wouldn't you say that we are often doing the same thing? Well, that's why I'm like, like, we know in our heads (laughs) that he is this, 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 and this. And yet I think because of our systems Mm -hmm. or, Mm-hmm. our culture or our narratives or our experiences mm-hmm. yeah. that we lay that over and make assumptions 
yeah. that, oh, the father's responding, going to respond to me this way. Yeah. Even though we can point to scripture or point to teaching that says something very, very different. Yeah. Yeah. I know I've referenced this before. Sorry, pod listeners. <laughs> but it's again reminding me of C.S. Lewis's The Last Battle when they're in the land. It's supposed to be heaven. There are dwarves who are actually sitting at a feast, but they perceive it to be a barn with like bad food in front of them. Mm. Like they can't see how good Aslan is. So I wonder if it's something like that, mm-hmm. where it's like, if we've decided who God is, what does God have to do? Or what do we have to do to, to get that broken? Mm-hmm. And I, again, I apologize for those of you who know those books really well. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's quite the metaphor for, for kind of the state of the church right mm-hmm. now, too. Like, you know, let, let's say the Father stays the same, because that's what we know of God, that God doesn't change so let's say if, if God is represented in the Father and he doesn't change, then then what does change is the is each son's perspective and each son's mm-hmm. relationship to their father. And it, that that's so interesting because there's so many different relationships to God right now in, mm-hmm. in the church, even in the evangelical church, mm-hmm. even in the, the church in America. Mm-hmm. Coming in from different entry points, right? Yeah. Like some are coming in angry, some yes. are coming in like shameful, some mm-hmm. are coming in confused, some are yeah. coming in, right? I mean, Some are hurt and some are not. Some are loving it. Some, right. are, some love the church and love everything about it, mm-hmm. and which is great. Like yeah. there are things to love about it. Yeah. And there are others who critique it. And it's just always going to be like that, I think. But the thing that doesn't change is, is the father like running to us essentially mm-hmm. like that's the the one the where we see God's character is in that moment and it's the one thing that doesn't change throughout the whole story which i do love henry nowen's approach in that book the return of the prodigal son when he takes it all the way to the father like with the reader like what does it look like for us to become the father mm-hmm. and does that help others not miss the heart of the father? Like, can we play a role in that mm-hmm. as a, as the church? First and foremost, it feels like that's our call mm-hmm. to be the heart of the father to others and to extend that and to exemplify that and model that and be that to each other to where hopefully they aren't having that same experience of missing it or, you know, being in the midst of it and not really knowing it. Mm-hmm. But I'm not sure. I'm not sure we're doing a very good job of that. <laughs> I'm fairly certain we're not doing a good job of that. And so then, when we ask, "How can that happen?" It's kind of like, "Oh gosh, that's how that happens." When mm. we misrepresent him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that's taking it back to the brothers because right? it's their misconception of who the father is. Mm-hmm. Right. And it does make me just pause and be like, ooh, I've watched my perception of who the father is change. Now I'm 46, so I hope that journey is not over. I'm like in the middle. But it does make me wonder like, if my 17-year-old self heard what I believe the father to be now would be horrified, would be angry. like mm. Because I had an idea of who God was, and it was really 
defined and rigid. Mm. I mean, this is one example. Mm. Like, had I heard myself referring to God in a female, feminine mother, I would have been pretty offended by that. Mm. So it's me that had to keep interacting with the Father to get the new Mm -hmm. information Mm -hmm. about who God is. So maybe, maybe that is the story, is like both of these brothers are doing that. One does it by going away and coming back, and one of them does it by witnessing the response of the Father. But they both, again, have that invitation into seeing who the Father really is. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if it... I mean, I'd love to know what happens two years. You know, mm-hmm. Is the older brother still angry? Does the younger brother really see God? No, Father, the Father <laughs> in this story. But then it starts making sense to me why I think people who have the sweetest and most beautiful relationship with God are really the ones who have kind of had a life experience, whether they mm-hmm. chose it or not, that kind of forced them to interact with the Father in a different way. Mm-hmm. The moral of the story might be, look at the Father, like get to know the Father. Totally. He's totally different than maybe you think he is. I think maybe the Father was way more okay with both of those circumstances mm-hmm. than we are in knowing that it is part of that process, like what you're saying. And Dave did say, you're going to have to edit this out if he's like, yeah, no, I did not say that. (laughs) (laughs) Or that's not what I meant. But one of the points that he kept making was that the spirit is always with us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The spirit always is going with us and is that kind of pursuer part. And I think... Mm -hmm. Maybe even again, the depth of the father knowing that mm-hmm. and and trusting like this is okay because it's all necessary yeah, for yeah. them to, like you're saying, Dulce, for them to really know mm-hmm. my heart. Yeah. They have to do this in their different ways so that I have the opportunity to respond in a way that surprises them, or I have the opportunity to speak something to them that they maybe haven't heard or have forgotten Mm -hmm. or whatever. To say to the oldest, everything that I have is yours. Was there a weight to that where the son's heart was like, oh, I'm just not accessing that. That's Mm -hmm. on me. Right. You know, or to say to the son, well, not to say anything about him saying, I'll be the hired hand and just being like, we're having a party. He didn't even acknowledge that part, you know, for both of those responses to take things like you're saying to a whole nother level, then, then those circumstances are really end up being beneficial as hard as they are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think what I'm realizing now reading this again or listening to this, I think it is kind of easy to be like, well, may, maybe the father like wasn't a great parent or something, you know, like, yeah. like maybe he shouldn't have given his son all of that money, like all of half of his, you know, inheritance or whatever. But I think what, what I'm realizing now is that th- those things are, are what is being placed on the father by the two brothers. Mm-hmm. So yeah. the two, mm-hmm. the, like the older brother sees the father give his son or his brother the inheritance, and he says, that's a violation to me mm-hmm. for some reason, mm-hmm. even though he has it, like what you said, he has everything that he needs all the time, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. It just kind of hit me in a different way mm-hmm. this time. Yeah, because we always put the emphasis on 
the father, which obviously it should be there, but I like that stuff because what it really is doing is saying, what is our perception and what have we put on the father mm-hmm. that actually isn't true. Right. Yeah. Both right. of them had made the wrong conclusion about right, what was right. true about the father. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that is interesting. I, I like, I like that Seth. That's yeah. really good. I mean, cause the younger brother sees the older brother doing what he's supposed to be doing. Yeah. Right. And like living this life that he's supposed to be living. And I'm sure says, no, I don't want to do this. Dave mm-hmm. kind of hit on that. in in the talk where he talked about how, this guy was obviously longing for something else. Mm-hmm. So, like he needed to go into the wild, mm-hmm. you know, in order for the spirit to meet him there. Yeah. And so, and, and I'm not saying we all have to have these like experiences like this in order for us to meet the Holy Spirit. But I think what's interesting is that even while he's like sitting in this pig pen mm-hmm. and like looking at this food and salivating over this disgusting food, that's when the Holy Spirit's like, oh, hey, you need something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Obviously. Like, I think there's something you need. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe I can help. And then it's like from that, the, the realization of the needs that you have, the Holy Spirit met him there and then brought him home somehow. So mm-hmm. I think that's pretty beautiful. Mm-hmm. Brought him home under this idea yeah, that, that would be seemed like horrible. a really good idea. I'll go be a hired hand. Yeah. <laughs> like that yes. seemed like, mm-hmm. you know, even that being, if we're going to say spirit breathed mm-hmm. is so fun to yeah. think about like this idea of like, I'll be a hired hand. Okay. Whatever. If that's the thought yeah, that sure. gets you home, come yeah. because you have no idea what is really waiting for you there. But if that's what you need to put over Mm -hmm. it to get you to go there, we'll run with your like false narratives, right? We're going to use them to get you back and then we're going to blow them open. Yeah. Well, another thing I really like about this, so thank you guys. Uh, You know, not everyone has these one of two, like there's other experiences Mm -hmm. But like I'm thinking about it, and I'm thinking really it's kind of the experience of being raised in the church or leaving the church. And maybe it's not church. Maybe it's God, okay? I, I don't want to like get too caught up in things that will trip people up from what I'm trying to say, but those really are the two options. And what I find really interesting is that in this story, the father was misperceived by both brothers, mm-hmm. right. yeah. by the brother who had been under his authority and and was the first son mm-hmm. and the one who ran away. I just find that to be, no one gets off the hook. Like it is our job yeah. to change our view of who God, who the father really is. That's fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. Please join me for the prayers. Give your church the courage to give up her preoccupation with herself and to give more time to your mission in the world. Lord, meet us in the silence. Give Give us us strength and and hear our prayer. Give your world the courage to give up war, bitterness, and hatred and to seek peace. Lord, meet us in the silence. Give us strength and hear our prayer. Give us the courage to give up quarrels, strife, and jealousy in our families, neighborhoods, and communities. Lord, meet us in the silence. Give us strength and hear our prayer. Give us the courage to give up our selfishness as we live for others 
and to give time, care, and comfort to the sick. Lord, meet us in the silence. Give us strength and hear our prayer. Give us the courage to give up our fear of death and to rejoice with those who have died in faith. Lord, meet us in the silence. Give us strength and hear our prayer, here and in eternity. Amen. 